Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us here and follow us there for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love watching Penn State's generational coach get poached by a basement ACC team, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics fix, presented by Section 5. We have a great show for you today. Pittsburgh legend Bill Hillgrove joined us to talk about everything. Uh, Pitt, the Steelers, Myron Cope, Tony Dorsett, uh, you name it. You name it. Really cover it all. Uh, my name is David. Squid and Dylan are taking a well-deserved night off, and I'm flying solo on this one. But I have been given complete creative freedom uh, to talk about anything I want. A 2023 Mac East preview. Uh, a definitive ranking of sandwiches. The, the music of the civil rights movement. Anything that I want to talk about, we will get to, uh, or I'm just going to introduce Bill Hillgrove. Uh, I'm I'm just going to introduce Bill Hillgrove. Uh, so when you hear people talk about Bill, you hear two constants. Uh, one, he is an incredibly gifted storyteller, and two, he makes everyone he speaks with feel like his best friend. I. I have known the guy for 40 minutes, and if he asked me to get matching tattoos with him, I would do it no questions asked. Just an incredible figure, an incredible guy. Uh, You're going to love this one. We recorded it just before the first four game, so be prepared to spend like five or ten minutes in a time machine. Um, And the rest is just pit guys being dudes. So without further ado, please enjoy. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome onto the show a very special guest, play-by-play man for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Pitt Panthers, and the voice of a city, Mr. Bill Hillgrove. Bill, how you doing today? You read it just like I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, everything's great. Um, You know, we get the extended season. I was hoping we didn't have to, you know, stop here in Dayton, but uh, I I go back to the words of assistant coach Milan Brown. We had him on after that disappointing Miami loss uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said, we'll play any on the ball. 
And so here we are to face Mississippi State. Yeah, you know, we obviously we would have loved to go a little bit further in the ACC tournament, would have loved to get a little bit of a higher seed, but it just feels good to be dancing again. Oh, no question about it. And we ran into a Duke team that could beat the, the Lakers that night. And we didn't play well, you know, that, <laughs> that's a given, but they played out of their minds. I knew we were in trouble when Lively hit a three. He was one for 12 in threes going into that game. And so yeah. you know, we could, and we couldn't deal with their length. This is a resilient pit team, but pretty soon you kind of knew it wasn't our day, and it happened. No, no, it wasn't. And you know, uh, and Duke uh, won the tournament, uh, but I guess the committee didn't think that was enough. So uh, Pitt goes to Dayton, and the winner of this game goes to uh, uh, we go to Greensboro. I don't know where Mississippi State goes, and. Uh, I guess they go to Greensboro too. I haven't looked at the bracket that closely, but uh, I'm I'm welcoming a trip back to Greensboro, uh, especially uh, we would face Iowa State, and then if you win that game, uh, you run up against Sean Miller and Xavier, which is a very very good basketball team. But there's no bad teams left. I feel bad for the teams that were snubbed, especially in our league. You know, Carolina, Clemson. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't like the fact that Carolina uh, turned down the NIT. Uh, they have their reasons. No. But uh, since the NCAA runs the NIT, I think you're playing with fire when you do stuff like that. But I'm not an administrator <laughs> in uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, I'm just a little, little old broadcaster just moving right along. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. You would think the uh, the Tar Heels would have learned their lesson about ticking off the NCA, what with all those academic issues they ran into a few years ago. Yeah, but there's a big change in the NCAA now. You know, we have a, a politician taking over, uh, largely because of this NIL Pandora's box that was open. Charlie and, Baker, correct? Uh, yeah, and and it's probably a good thing in that regard. I had a great conversation with uh, Wes Durham, the fine play-by-play announcer for the ACC. And uh, he he said, this is not my idea. He said, I talked to a tax attorney, and he thinks the way out for everybody is to turn the NIL over to the conferences. And his reasoning is that, well, in our conference, we have five or six private schools. Others are state-related. Others are state-run. Uh, and so you have different tax structure there. Uh, you also have different rules in different states where different teams come from. So I think if the conferences handle it, and they are 501c3s, I think that's a way out. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they put the guardrails in, because Lord knows they should have been in by now. But unfortunately, the Pandora's box is open. I'm that all for is. letting the NCAA handle as little as possible. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you know they they run the risk of running out of at least control over the power fives. At some point, the power fives may just say, "Hey, we, we'll run it ourselves." But I hope not to see that day. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's all about money, you know. And football drives the bus, and it's a reality. You have to deal with it. That's all. And the same with the transfer portal. I don't like it, but you have to deal with it. Thank God uh, Pitt had the availability of people like Jamarius Burton and uh, 
you know, Blake Henson, uh, we wouldn't be where we are right now without those two. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. And Greg, uh, and Greg Elliott. Greg has given us a dimension we haven't had. And I, I knew when we moved into the ACC that uh, three-point shooters would be at a premium. Uh, it's not like Big East basketball where everything's in the paint. Uh, this league is a perimeter league, has been, and, um, you know, we've finally caught up. And, uh, you know, you see the results. I'm happy for Jeff. He deserved coach of the year. Uh, this team came out of nowhere and kind of, you know, had it stick in their craw that they were picked 14th in the preseason poll in the league. And now in their craw is the fact that they had to come to Dayton uh, to earn the right to be one of 64. Uh, but, you know, the committee has tough choices. Uh, but I think, and I, I think Jeff Capel's right, there's a bias against this league that shouldn't be in place. And the bias is because Duke had a down year. I'm not sure that it's a down year now. But early on, you know, they were not the same Duke Blue Devils. And neither was Carolina, who was picked number one in the nation. And because of those two Tobacco Road stalwarts, uh, the league was perceived as down, and I didn't think so, and I agree with Jeff. But it's, you know, a, a matter of opinion. Did you ever think that you would see an occasion in which a 20-plus win Duke team would win the ACC and only be given a five seed? No. That's the that's the bias I'm talking about. Exactly. I, and, and it's a bias toward the Big Ten, bias toward the Big 12. They're fine leagues. Don't get me wrong. And so is the SEC. But uh, to put the ACC where they are in their eyes, I think is wrong. And, hey, we have a chance to prove it. We did last year. Uh, we had two in the final four. And so let's see if we can repeat that. Well, we've already proved a lot of the doubters wrong. You said this team was picked. 14th in the right. preseason poll. Uh, I know as fans, it was awesome to care about basketball in January and mm -hmm. February, and now even March. We didn't think we'd even be here at the beginning of the season. <laughs> How much no. more fun has it been for you? In the Well, it, it's been so much fun. And, my, you know, my brother John, who does our engineering, was putting in some of the wiring prior to the season, and Gilbert Brown came through the tunnel. And, uh, he said to Gilbert, uh, what do you think? And Gilbert said, you're going to have a lot of fun with this group. And that was before the season started. And we have had a lot of fun. Uh, they brought the magic back to the Peterson Event Center. Uh, and that was in full blossom when Syracuse was in uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was, you know, magical. Uh, it should continue to be magical. And I give a lot of credit to the Oakland Zoo. Those kids have really stuck by these kids. But they're easy to stick by. You know, today we had a little bit of a delay coming down to Dayton. So we're gathered in this room at uh, the private aviation center at the airport. And I noticed how, you know, these players all interacted. They were having fun. They were talking to each other. They weren't sitting there playing with their phones and, you know, listening to their earbuds. They were enjoying each other. And I think it's translated on the court that they play for each other. And I think that's one of the reasons for this great success. You've definitely had issues in the past with, you know, uh, teams that don't seem to gel the way that these guys have. So it's it's been really rewarding to to see a team that clearly really likes each other and really mm -hmm. wants to play for each other. And that's kind of been a recurring theme of of 
Pitt Sports broadcasters and journalists we've had on the show uh, talking about what a great group of kids these are and how much they really enjoy each other. Yes, and I think it starts with the leadership of Jamarius Burton. Uh, he's the guy that communicates. They communicate well. And I hear Jeff Capel preaching it all the time about communicating on defense. That's the secret. You know, play as one, stay together. And by and large, this team has done it. Okay, we've had a couple of games where we didn't play, you know, like Pitt teams uh, had shown earlier this year. Uh, but by and large, uh, if even if Pitt loses to Mississippi State, when, which I don't think is going to happen, by the way, but then don't ask me. I'm not a good picker. But I just <laughs> have a sense – you know, first of all, this team, Mississippi State, is last in Division One in three-point field goal percentage. We should be able to take advantage of that. Now, on the other side of the coin, they're about as old as we are. And I think both teams are older than the Oklahoma City uh, NBA team. You know, the starting five is actually older. Uh, and But that, you know, I give Jeff Capel a lot of credit. He sees that the folly of depending on even talented freshmen. And we've seen Duke this year. There are no more talented freshmen in the country than they have. And it took them a month and a half to figure it out. And boy, they figured it out and they're gonna be they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with, even though they're a five seed. We mentioned how fun of a team this is to follow. Uh this can go any sport, any team you've called. Do you have a favorite team that you've ever uh call games for could be a an era a season uh, a stretch oh the the cinderella tony dorsett years uh, that will probably never happen again in college football and to be part of that uh was very very special uh, you know that team even though it might not have been pitt's most talented team i think the 80 team was a lot more talented and i think the nfl proved that by plucking 14 of those kids plus three free agents. Um, wow. But, uh, you know, Tony was a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. And he, 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 his greatness, it's hard to put into words, but his greatness was largely because he worked hard. And I, I have never seen a great athlete. I've seen talented athletes, but I've never seen a great one that didn't work hard. And Tony worked. He, you know, he was, he had the lunch pail. He learned from his dad, Wes, who worked in the mill. You got to put your time in and you got to work hard. And that team, that, that just, for them to go from one in 10 to the national championship in four years, that'll never happen again. Never, ever, ever. And we probably won't see a Tony again either. I think he's the finest college back I ever saw. Finest pro back might be Jim Brown, uh, but uh, Tony still proved himself at the next level and stood on the steps of Canton. That's not too shabby for a 155-pound kid out of Hopewell. <laughs> not too shabby at all. Yeah, I we really regret um, that we were not alive for the most recent Pitt National Championship. Could you could – you, Tell, just tell us what it felt like. Cause I don't know if we, I don't want to say we're never going to see a pit national championship, but the way college football is going is not in our favor. So we, we just want to, can you put us in that moment in 1976 as if we're there? Yeah, we were playing army at Pitt stadium and Michigan was number one. 
and we were number two. And the loudspeaker at Pitt Stadium uh, said the final score, I think Purdue beat Michigan that day. And I remember saying on the air, Michigan has been defeated. The Panthers are now number one. And as I wow. said those words, I said, almost choked. I mean, you know, I number one in the nation. Uh, but that team just took care of business. They did what they had to do. And I'll never forget, you know, uh, down in New Orleans, the Georgia people pretty much controlled the streets and the lobby of our Marriott Hotel to the point where the players had to take the service elevator because all the dog fans chanting dog meat, dog meat, and all that stuff. And, yeah, we put up with it for the whole week. Fine. You know, it's SEC country. It's, you know, uh, we understand. We're the hated visitors. Well, I couldn't do the game because of contractual arrangements. Uh, The locals weren't allowed to do it. ABC had it tied up. So I was on the sideline. And in the fourth quarter, when it was pretty evident that Pitt was the far superior team, uh, our sideline is yelling across the field, how does that dog meat taste right now? (laughs) And I'll never forget that as long as I live because – you know, those fans deserved that comment. Uh, but, you know, it it was magical. And I don't think there's a more magical moment. Yeah, there have been some great ones. Uh, In basketball, Levance Fields hitting that three against Duke at the Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Larry Harris making big buckets. Uh, Charles Smith making big buckets. Curtis Aiken making big buckets. I mean... Gosh, you know, there have been so many good moments. But I think, you know, perhaps the most treasured one was the first time we won the Big East tournament. And we gathered at Rosie O'Grady's, which was because of Dick Grode and myself. We got the Pitt fans to gather there. It wasn't far from the hotel, which was the New York Hilton. And um, we left there. It was after daybreak. We celebrated all night long and walking <laughs> into the sun toward the Hilton hotel, Dick and I just saying, wow, what a moment, you know, what a moment in your lifetime because we suffered. Pitt fans suffered through the big East. You know, the, the joke was yeah. uh, three big East tickets, two shows and a basketball ticket, you know, uh, but that, that was, that was a special moment. And, and, and I, and I tell you what, and his coaching persona is nothing like, the real man, Jim Calhoun. He was doing an interview with a New Haven station, and obviously, you know, they're crying in their tears. They lost by 18 points. And Dick and I got our coats off the rack at the uh, checkpoint, and uh, we're walking out, and we see Jim talking to this uh, New Haven station. He stopped the interview and said, Dick, Bill, congratulations. And to me, that gave me a whole new perspective on Jim Calhoun. But uh, you know, that was a magical moment. And part of that was the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we never we never uh, stayed very long at the Big East Tournament, as you well know. Uh, but we did, under Ben Howland, I think we beat Notre Dame, Louisville, and uh, Marquette on the way to the championship game with Boston College, which they, they were a superior team and we were tired and they beat us. But the neat thing about that was, uh, Dick and I had only packed three dress shirts. So to play in the championship game, we wore coats and ties in those days. Uh, we had to go buy 
we had to go to Macy's and buy dress shirts for that fourth day. <laughs> we learned our lesson. But, uh, you know, th those were great moments. I, you know, I, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Uh, I've been fortunate to call these games for 54 years. I started when I was seven. <laughs> I thought I'd get a laugh from you guys. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were serious or not. I, no, 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 no. Uh, Ray Goss has me by a year. He's done Duquesne for 55 years. Jeez. So I'm trying to catch him. But, uh, you know, it, it's been wonderful. And there have been ups and downs uh, with the basketball. You know, the downs were uh, one and out in the Big East. Uh, we don't have to do the Villanova thing, do we, in 2008? Mm -hmm. No, we don't have to go there. No, not at all. Uh, um, or Gary McGee not getting out on Kemba Walker. We don't have to go there, do we? There have been great moments. We we won at Washington. And again, LaVance Fields had the winning bucket, and the Pac-10 officials had to go to the monitor to see if indeed he had let it go in time. And we knew that. And he sat right next to us. We were still on the air. And LaVance kind of winked at us like, it was good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> great moments. Great moments. Uh, great people. Clyde Vaughn. Tom Richards. Gosh, I, Keith Starr, you know, I, my, my favorite team was my first team. It was Mike Paul and Kent Scott, Paul O'Gork. Paul's gone now. Jerry Patcher, he's gone now. Uh, it it kind of makes you feel old when guys you've described as young uh, athletes uh, go before you. But, you know, mm -hmm. that's life. And we, we don't we don't know what the game plan is. So we just go along with it. Well, um, it's bound to happen when you start your broadcast career at seven years old. You know, some well, of those guys know, are a little bit older. I, I was a child prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been a child ever since. And, <laughs> and believe me, when, when people say, well, what do you think about the political? I, I say, hey, give me my toys and let me alone. Let me play in my sandbox. I don't want to hear about any politics. I don't have to deal with the real world. And, you know, that's that's been a blessing. It really has been. That's the beauty of sports. It is. Will Rogers, he, he always read the sports section first because, you know, that other section is nothing but gloom and doom and showing the ugly part of humanity, and I think sports shows you the best part. With a few exceptions. I, I completely agree. There's, you know, there's a reason we get so many uplifting stories out of sports, you know, whether it's the the South African rugby team, you know, winning winning the World Cup in '95, or the miracle on ice, or the Jamaican I mean, bobsled team, the Jamaican bobsled team, exactly. <laughs> sure. You know, we don't we don't seem to get you know all of those uniting moments the same way outside of the arena of sports. So it's it's really cool that we have this, you know, that we yeah. have our Panthers and our, our Steelers. So, uh, as we said, you've been doing this for, for quite a few years, um, and, and you were joking when you said you started when you were seven, but at what point in your life did you realize, I have a very cool-sounding voice, and I should talk for a living? I was 13 years of age. My dad was an electrician. My aunt was a sister of charity, and she had a fellow nun in that order who had the Pittsburgh Diocesan 
radio TV school. And she said I should show up there. So I show up there. It was run by Sister Rosalie. And I expected them to teach me how to fix radios and TVs. And she <laughs> handed me a script. And I read it. And she said, perfect. Just what I'm looking for. A natural. Said, well, yeah. Well, I'm looking for a 13-year-old brat. I said, well, I'm a natural. I don't need a script. For <laughs> and I played this brat teenager for this radio show, Morning, Noon, and Night, about a Catholic family. And I was the brat teenager. And at the age of 13, I discovered that I had a, an ability on this side of the microphone. And combine that with my passion for sports, and I've been very, very lucky. Very, very blessed. Yeah, you've you've had my two dream jobs. Um, you were a, a radio DJ in 1968, and you're a, a pit play-by-play guy now. So you've you've done. I mean, I think some of the most enjoyable sounding work I could ever imagine. That's why that's why we start a podcast because who doesn't want to talk about sports and occasionally get money for it? And who doesn't want to have their opinion heard? <laughs> All you need is a microphone. Yeah, and, and that, that you know that's yeah. I I love that I do, hmm. and and people say, well, Billy, you've had chances to go out of the market and go somewhere. I, yeah, I've never entertained those. I, you know, I'm I'm talking about teams I grew up rooting for. Uh, I I wouldn't care to do a Chicago Cubs, uh, Dodgers game. I I that would that would do nothing for me. You know. So the games I do, okay, I'm a homer. I have a vested interest. But 90% of the people listening to me are homers as well. So oh. it doesn't offend them. Yeah, we love it. I think and, one well, of our favorite. The point, the point I'm getting to is there's, there's no such thing as neutrality. You know, you take any game, and 50% of the people are for one team, and 50% are mm-hmm. for the other. Some are fans, and some are betters. But they're still not in the middle. And But – the guys that have to be in the middle, they have a tough job. And I hear them. You know, they kind of waffle. You say a good thing about the Bengals, and God, you got to say a good thing about the Browns. And, you know, they go back. And, and I don't envy that. I don't. Uh, just give me my toys and let me alone. We notice this as Pitt fans. I mean, we love it. We hear all the calls that live on forever. We hear your voice. Uh, one thing that sticks out to us is during that ACC championship run for football, they actually put a, a camera up in the booth. So we oh, see yeah. well, your embossing reactions. Yeah. 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 That, and you know what? That's a good idea. And I, I hope they made some money off it. I don't know if they charge for the hits or not, but it got a lot of hits. And well, I've uh, watched it about a hundred times myself just from the ACC well, championship game. So I don't know if you're seeing the that hair on my back stood up when that stadium sang Sweet Caroline at the end of the yeah. third quarter. And the Wake Forest people were sitting on their hands. I give uh, Pat Narduzzi a lot of credit. His team made the adjustments, and we took the RPO away from what they were trying to do, and uh, that gave us, you know, the upper hand, and we showed it. That, that was one of the great moments. Is there a favorite call that you've made in your career that you yes. think about? I know yes. there's one. I have a, a bobblehead up there of of you from the pit game. With, yes, uh, the that's famous the, Tony Orsett call. Yeah. That's that's the pit call, and of course the Steeler call would be Super Bowl forty three. Uh, oh. When Ben brought them down the field, and Santonio should have caught that one in the left side of the end zone, and Ben went right back to him. Uh, that to me, and believe me, you know there was another call in that game 
that was pretty important too, and that was James Harrison's return. Uh, I had him down twice during that hundred yard return, <laughs> but no, that uh, those that, that was magical. Those were two magical moments, no no question. You you uh, were you've you've been the Steelers play by play guys since uh, what nineteen ninety four? Correct. Yes, correct. So you've been doing pit longer. Started with basketball in '69, and in 1970, they made me Ed Conway's color man. And when Ed passed in '74, then they said, "Well, you do the play-by-play." And uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a great run, believe me. Oh, and I remember when I first put on my sports hat when Pitt uh, turned me loose in 1969. I said, "Well, if I do this for the next 20 years, that will make my career." Little did I know it would go to 54, and little did I know at the time that the Steelers would come calling. So uh, to be able to do both those uh, great entities in, in my hometown and my home market, it's, it doesn't happen to too many people. I've been very, very lucky. Is it true that Dan Rooney hand-selected you to replace the legendary Jack well, Fleming? If, if you need the story, here it is. Uh, Please. I, I get a call from our sales manager who said, Mr. Rooney keeps asking for your tape. This is after Jack Fleming retired. And I said, I didn't submit a tape. He said he has one, and he's using it to measure the other, you know, uh, applicants. Uh, and and the more he hears your tape, the more he likes it. And I said, uh-oh, I'm about to become a candidate for a job I never sought. Because I, I knew Jack Fleming, and I respected him. He was a great, great play-by-play man, and I never thought to submit a tape when he retired. But uh, a couple of weeks after that, I get a call from a Steelers brass guy. I said, we had a meeting last night. Things are looking good for you. And then we had a meeting with the Roonies, and they said to Jim Carter, our vice president and radio manager, uh, okay, you can announce it. And I go, my gosh, I'm the voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then I get back to the station, and the TV station manager called me and says, Hillgrove, I got some good news and some bad news. I said, what's the good news? He said, you're the voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I said, what's the bad news? He said, you're taking one hell of a pay cut because I'm going from (laughs) TV to radio. Uh, And I didn't care. You know, it made me a full-time play-by-play person, and I guess since I was 13, that's what I wanted to do, and I got to do it. And you got to do it with uh, the undeniable, incredible Myron Cope. Uh, was it was it difficult to when you started out with Myron to kind of get on the same page because he he was a really eccentric guy, and it it was it was seamless for one major reason. In 1983, Johnny Sauer, who was a pit color man, uh, suddenly developed some heart problems and three weeks before the season had to back off. And the boss called Copeman and said, we want you to double up to Hillgrove on Saturdays and the Steelers on Sundays. And he said, I got a full enough plate. They said, your contract's coming up. He says, I'm all ears. So he agreed to do it. And Part of the story that is so entertaining is the fact that we played Maryland, I think, in late September down there at College Park. And Cope said, I'll take this job 
under one provision that I get to get to my favorite cousin's wedding on September 23rd uh, at the prestigious Rolling Rock Club in Ligonier. So they hired a plane, a single-engine plane, to take him from College Park to Latrobe Airport. And they take off, he and the pilot, and it's a beautiful day, and they get up over the mountains, and the pilot radios for permission to land at Latrobe, and the tower said, are you out of your mind? We got an air show going on here. We got biplanes and bombers and daredevils, and there's no way. So he turned to Cope, and he said, they have an air show going on. We can't land. He said, tell them you have a VIP on board. <laughs> we have a VIP on board. What's your name again? Tell them it's Myron Cope. He said, Myron Cope. There's like eight seconds of silence, and the tower says, I need four for the Cleveland game. Wow. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the bombers and the daredevils and the biplanes stopped, and Cope landed and made his favorite cousin's wedding. That was the power of Cope. I'd say so. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and it was great. I Working with Johnny Sauer, he taught me more about football uh, than anybody could working with Bill Fralick and Billy Osborne and Mark May and now with Pat Bostick. I mean, it's, it's been an incredible run and uh, I enjoy it. But uh, to get back to your original question, uh, the transition to Cope was seamless. And don't forget, you know, he and I had worked together at TAE radio, me as a disc jockey, he is the morning guy. And so we had a rapport going back that far. So that was, that was easy. And you know what, <laughs> It's like Abbott and Costello. You you have to play the straight man, uh, you know, with the funny guy. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. those things never change. And I knew my role, and I relished it. Uh, because I think if you analyze it, any comic duo, even though the straight man is straight, his sense of humor is just as good as the funny man. But he's got to play that role, and I enjoyed playing it. I did. Yeah, and... I mean, Myron Cote was such a figure. I I can only imagine what it was like to get to go into work with him every day. Did you ever, when you guys just started working together, did even you have a little bit of trouble understanding what he was saying? Because I remember being a little kid in my car seat asking my parents what the funny man on the radio was saying. <laughs> and and they, they would try to explain it to me, and I was very confused. Was it Was it the same process for you? No, it was when I, I never had any, I, I kind of knew where he might come from, you know, uh, and he wouldn't pass up too many opportunities to entertain. And you kind of get a sense that this is where he's going to take it. And you go right with it. And uh, the guy was a genius. No question. One of the few I've been around, by the way. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the greatest sports writers of all time. No question. Look at his books. Broken Cigars. I recommend that to anybody. Uh, and Yoy and Double Yoy, his last work was uh, pretty darn good as well. Uh, I I was his roommate on several occasions, and he was writing something. And he'd, he'd labor over the right word. And I said, Myron, I said, it's one word. You know, can't you just put it in there and move on? He goes, Billy, the difference between a good word and a bad word is like the difference between the word light and the word lightning. And that kind of brought it home to me. You know, he worked hard to get the specific word that 
his point was, you know, the point he was trying to get across. Uh, the guy was uh, very special, very, very special. Incredible. Well, hey, it, it takes one to know one. You, you yourself have carved out quite a legacy. Uh, so I, I got to ask after, you know, 40 or 50 years in the booth, you know, what what keeps it so exciting and fresh calling these these Pittsburgh games? Every game, whether it's football, basketball, I did baseball uh, with Dick Grote uh, for a couple of Big East uh, tournaments, uh, one in Coney Island and one in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Every game takes you for a ride. Every game is a magic carpet. And that's why I, I get a, a, a kick out of people, uh, the talking heads on TV. Well, this is how this game is going to go. You have no idea how the game <laughs> is going to go. Uh, and if the people on the field or on the court knew how it was going to go, you'd see a much different outcome. But, you know, they go out and, and throw everything to the wind and, and come what may. And, and that's what I love about athletes. And to get to the point that you asked me about uh, what keeps me going, yeah, the challenge of taking that magic carpet ride, but seeing young people compete at the highest level uh, and and give their all—that's uh, that's pretty special. That's pretty pretty darn special. Mister Hillgrove, you've got me ready to run through a brick wall. I'm ready for football season. I'm ready for March Madness. I I we've really appreciated hearing your. Uh, perspective here um and there, there is actually a, another thing we wanted your perspective on a little bit of career advice so uh you as well as a play-by-play guy you are known for being a great mc at a lot of events and, and charitable uh galas so to speak that you've worked at and we'll be uh emceeing some at least one golf outing this summer do you have any advice for keeping a keeping an, an event rolling and, and keeping everybody having a good time? Yes. Remember that that event is not about you. That event is about the people who are putting it on, the people who are getting awards. And so just remember that. Stay out of the way. And when I've emceed things, I've tried to do that. And also, you know, if you have a story, and make sure that the beginning and the end are very close together because <laughs> the brain can't absorb what the butt can't bear. And I think some people write who that fail, down. I'm serious. Some people who fail lose sight of that. And as a result, you know, the, the audience, you know, you lose them. And so that's the one thing I've always remembered. It's not about me. It's about this event. And, and I think that's, that's good advice, not only uh, for banquets, but for anything you do. You know, it's it's not about you. It's it's about the content. It's not about me. It's about that football team on the field or that basketball team on the court. It's about them. I'm just a, a messenger. And I think if you keep that in mind, I think you can be successful. That's some great advice. We we had the opportunity to uh, to host or help host a, a golf outing last year and, and we know that uh, you're pretty involved with the upcoming Dick Grote Classic, correct? Yes. Seventh one coming up. Uh, we've decided this year that we're going to do just one uh, shotgun. We had two in previous years. That makes the date very, very long. Uh, makes for a lot of work for the committee. And I think the results don't match the work. 
So we decided this year to bump the price up a little bit to $600 for a foursome. Uh, but you get a celebrity in your group, and we've had very good luck with celebrities. Uh, Larry Harris said he's going to be here this year. Curtis Aiken will be there. Uh, we're going to lose a couple of football players because Jackie Sherrill's being honored uh, at Texas A&M that same weekend. Uh, but we still will have a good representation of pit athletes, including Ken Maka, uh, you know, who had a pretty good uh, major league run as both a manager and player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Walt Harris, who always comes back. He's very loyal to Dick and loves the golf course. And so uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be another great time. And, you know, the money goes to Dick's scholarship fund at Pitt. And I think this year will include a local charity that's deserving. And when I say local, somewhere, you know, in the Ligonier uh, Bolivar area up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just think that that's great, too. It, we keep the community in mind. Uh, but you know he's a wonderful host. It's a great golf course. Jerry Dulac said it's the finest public course in Pennsylvania. Jerry is a, <laughs> Jerry is a pretty good judge of golf courses, uh, and um, it's 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 just a, a magical time, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's uh, Saturday, May thirteenth, uh, at the Champion Lakes Golf Course. For those of you whose ears perked up perked up at the opportunity to meet some of your uh, hometown favorites and, and contribute to a great cause. So uh, we, uh, we look forward to it as well. And, uh, and, and thank you for filling us all in. Um, we're going to let you go here in a second, but there was, there was something we wanted to ask of you. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so Uh-oh. should I, should I button my wallet? <laughs> your, your wallet is safe. Your wallet is all very right. safe. Uh, so as as pit fans that were born in in the mid '90s, we've had our fair share of both Panther and Steelers heartbreak. Um, I'm, I'm sure you are familiar with a couple of those occasions. So I was hoping, since we have the voice of these teams here, if we could do a little bit of alternate history. So we we wrote you uh, a couple calls for. Um, you know, rewriting some tragic events of our childhood. And um, we were hoping you could you could give them a read so that we can, it, us and our listeners can close our eyes and picture these moments, but had things gone Pittsburgh's way. You're asking me to be a revisionist of history. Is that what you're asking? No, I'm but, happy. <laughs> you want me to do it right now? By all means. All right. This is regards to the recent Miami-Pitt basketball game where Pitt had a chance to get the share of the ACC regular season title. Blake Henson nails the 35-footer. Down goes Miami. Your Pitt Panthers are the ACC regular season champions. Wow. It's like it happens. And now we're a four-seed in the NCAA tournament. We beat Duke. We went on a great run, and... Things are so much better in the world. Absolutely. And it doesn't snow in February and March. (laughs) All right. You ready for the next one? Absolutely. The Steelers have defeated the New England Patriots thanks to the last second heroics of Jesse James. There was no doubt about it. Perfect. Perfect. There was no doubt about it. He broke the call on those referees. Yeah. All right. Back to basketball. Kemba Walker gets the switch to McGee. 
crosses over, pulls up, blocked. Gary does it. <laughs> that, that, that might be the biggest lie I've ever told. <laughs> Poor Gary McGee. He needs oh, it. All right. Let's let's go to the Peach Bowl. Touchdown, Panthers. Nick Patty dies for the pylon and scores completely unscathed. And the Peach Bowl is tied at 7-7. Wow. We win that game by 30 if if that was the way that things went down. It's a 12-1 <laughs> season for the Panthers. Historic. I tell you what, send me more tough jersey kids like Nick Patty. Oh, oh, he's yeah. the best. We got, a tough, we we got a tough Jersey kid wearing number eight for the Steelers. It, it looks like he's going to have a nice career. All right. Last and not least. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P. Incredible. That was my favorite one. That was my favorite one. You wrote that one. Yeah. What's that? Did you write that one? Uh, I'd read it like you wrote it. Good enough. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take what we can get. (laughs) Bill, this has sincerely been an incredible honor from two, you know, young Pittsburghers. Thank you so, so much for your time and everything you've done for pittsburgh sports in our community held a pit yeah this is one we had on our list i appreciate it and uh let's do this again you said it not us we'll hold you to it good luck in dayton bill uh hopefully we have a a long road ahead of us i'm packed for greensboro so got my fingers and my eyes crossed you brought enough suits this time uh, I think I have enough to get by because I don't wear suits anymore. Pit gear. Uh, if the coaches wear gear, I'll wear gear. Except for beautiful. Curtis. Curtis is always, you know, GQ. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much and hail to Pit. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again to Bill for joining us. Uh, it was a genuine honor for the Loyal Sons to have him on. And uh, we also thank him for that clip. Um, that we are now going to use as our outro for every episode until the sun expands into the earth. Uh, so be sure to check out more info on the Dick Rote Celebrity Classic. Uh, just a quick Google search will take you to the right place. That is on Saturday, May 13th at Champion Lakes. Next week, the three of us are going to be reunited to put a bow on basketball season and uh, start talking about spring football. Uh, Hopefully by next week, we know who all of Deuce's new recruits are, but uh, our guy's been kind of on a hot streak recently, so uh, really excited to get back on the football train. So we will see you next week. Hail, loyal sons of Pittsburgh.